Happy New Year and welcome to the first online gateway service of 2021. Can you even believe the sound of that? 2021. So Eric Knox, one of our elders, sent me a text last week reminding me that beginning January 1, hindsight is 2020. Hindsight is 2020. The year 2020, vision 2020. For those of you looking for a new dad joke, you're welcome. Uh, we're starting a new series of conversations today, and it's perfect for the new year. We're calling this series Ingredients for a Better You. Ingredients for a Better You. So Diane made this awesome sausage egg casserole over the Christmas break. Now, I imagine if Diane hadn't had any eggs. I mean, she might have been able to make some kind of sausage di dish, but it certainly wouldn't have been a sausage egg casserole. Or imagine if she hadn't had any sausage. Same issue. Not going to be a sausage egg casserole. By the way, her recipe also included Swiss cheese and crescent rolls. It was delicious. I suppose you could substitute either of those last two ingredients, but you wouldn't have come up with the amazing casserole that we all ate on Christmas morning if you'd made any substitutes. For that casserole, you needed those ingredients. You get the idea. I believe there are ingredients, critical ingredients for the making of our lives, ingredients which allow for us to become our best selves. We sometimes try substitutes, but they don't work, not exactly anyway. So what are those ingredients and where do we get the recipe? Okay, pause with that question for a second. I think you can make a good argument that Jesus was the most effective leader in the history of the world. This isn't the conversation for that argument, but, but just consider one thing. Consider the size of his followership. I mean, the most basic definition of leadership is someone who has followers. And by that definition alone, Jesus, at the very least, should be considered in the discussion for world's greatest leader. So how did this world-class leader develop his followers? What did he do? What ingredients did he use in his development process? I believe this is where we'll find the right list of ingredients for our development. Now understand, in these conversations we're going to have, we're not going to be talking about Jesus' amazing life. We'll do some of that during the Lenten season coming up later this year. We're also not going to be talking about any of his specific teachings. That's an equally important topic and one we've covered many times. But over the next six weeks, we're going to try to focus in on how Jesus developed people. What did he do to grow those around him? How did he nurture their best? What ingredients went into Jesus' recipe for growing people into their most God-honoring selves? And by the way, if you manage anyone in a work setting or in a volunteer setting, these are also the ingredients that, that should be included in our development of others. If you're a parent, same thing. These will be the ingredients that most effectively foster your children's development. So let's start where Jesus started today. Ingredient number one in Jesus' development of his followers. He prepared his followers for a path of development. In other words, he got them ready to be developed. That's where it started. So to achieve the best version of ourselves, we need to be prepared. We need to get ready to be developed. Growth requires some advanced groundwork. Often, if you want to start to grow vegetables, you have to first work on the soil. You have to do prep work. The same is true for us spiritually. The ground has to be prepared. Now, to understand this prep work process as it relates to our personal development, I think we need to answer three questions this morning. One, what does it mean that Jesus prepared his disciples? What? Two, 
Why is preparation important, practically speaking? And three, how should we think about this? What does it mean for us to be prepared, especially spiritually? Okay, to begin tackling this topic, let's look at Mark chapter 1, verses 1 through 5. Let me read that. In the beginning of the gospel about Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the beginning of Jesus' story, the good news about Jesus, it's written in Isaiah the prophet, I will send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way. A voice of one calling in the desert, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. And so John, meaning John the Baptist, John came baptizing in the desert region and preaching a baptism of repentance for forgiveness of sins. And the whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem went out to him, confessing their sins. They were baptized by him in the Jordan River. So question number one, what do we mean when we say Jesus prepared his disciples? Okay, in the passage that we just read, uh, Mark was introducing the ministry of John the Baptist. And to do so, he started by quoting from the Old Testament prophet Isaiah, a voice of one calling the desert, he quoted, prepare the way of the Lord and make straight paths for him. And this is really interesting. The word translated way here, prepare the way of the Lord, along with referring to the manner in which something was done, it also referred literally to a road in both Hebrew and Greek. Just like the word way in English is sometimes used to designate a small road. And the tradition in the Middle East was that roads were fixed up or they were made straight whenever passing dignitaries visited an area. Shortly before a king or a dignitary would visit, a messenger would go out and tell the people, make the path straight, make the way straight for the king. And the people would come out and fix up the road. In that day, you know, the roads deteriorated quickly, but the local population rarely felt the need to repair them until just before the arrival of some dignitary. So the fact that John declared that he was the voice that Isaiah talked about, the one who shouted, repair the road for the Lord, meant that the Lord would be coming on the scene shortly. Of course, John wasn't talking about the physical roads in their villages or the roads leading into Jerusalem. He was speaking figuratively about their lives, about the culture. Get yourselves ready for God's new thing, John was saying. Get ready. The Lord is coming in a new way, and he's going to develop you in a brand new way. John was encouraging them to prepare themselves. Now, it's not surprising that this idea of spiritual preparation has a very rich Old Testament background. But I have to tell you, I was surprised by how straightforward it is. Here's what I mean. I did an Old Testament survey this week of how the word prepare was used in the Old Testament. There are some random usages, of course, but mainly the use of this word seemed to, throughout the Old Testament world, seemed to fall into five categories. First, there were many references to preparing a sacrifice, especially in Leviticus and Numbers. Secondly, there were scattered references to preparing meals, and, and there were many references to preparing for war or for a specific battle. And fourth, there were references to preparing stones for construction. In fact, a secondary meaning for the word we translate prepare in both Hebrew and Greek is to build. But what surprised me were all the references to spiritual preparation. Again, I knew the idea was there, but I was surprised it was just so straightforward, including the use of the word itself. Just one example. It's found in Exodus 19.15, where the Jews who were wandering in the desert at the time were told to prepare themselves for when Moses would come down the mountain and give them the Ten Commandments. They were even given some specific preparation exercises. Again, this 
isn't really surprising. We know instinctively that we need to get ready to take a new step, to, to do a new thing, to go to a new level. We know that often the soil must be prepared in order to grow new crops. I also noticed something else interesting in my survey of how the word prepare was used. When they talked about spiritual preparation, well, those discussions tended to fall into two categories. And let's remember this all the way through our conversation today. First of all, there's the work that God does to prepare us for what's coming. This is the idea behind the famous verse in Psalm 23 that reads, You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. In other words, God is arranging things so that he can bless us. This is also the idea behind Psalm 7850, uh, only this time it's in a negative sense. There he says, he prepared a path for his anger. He did not spare them from death, but gave them over to the grave. Uh, meaning God was arranging the circumstances so that their sin would meet its just and natural reward. And the same kind of thought is brought up by the prophet Nahum, who said, The Lord has given a command concerning Nineveh. You will have no descendants to bear your name. I will destroy the carved images and cast idols that are in the temple of your gods. I will prepare your grave, for you are vile. Sorry for all those random references, but the unmistakable current of all of these verses and many more and the point I really want us to see is that God is sovereignly arranging and preparing circumstances and events either to bless us and cause our growth and development or to allow harm to happen to us. And by the way, sometimes the harm is also meant to encourage our growth and development. And sometimes it's meant for judgment. So one current of spiritual preparation discussed in the Old Testament consistently is this idea of God preparing circumstances and events for us and preparing us for them to meet them. But we said there were, there were two categories when we talked about spiritual preparation. The other category is the preparation that God's people are encouraged to undertake for themselves, on themselves. For example, the Exodus verse I mentioned a minute ago, where they were to prepare to receive the Ten Commandments, remember? Or in 2 Chronicles 35, another Old Testament passage, the people were told to prepare to participate in the Passover. It called for special preparation because they hadn't participated in the Passover for generations. In the same way, they were told repeatedly throughout the early books of the Old Testament to prepare to make sacrifices. And this involved not only preparing the sacrifices themselves, but also preparing themselves to make the sacrifices. And, and this whole history of teaching about spiritual preparation, God preparing events and circumstances, and God's people preparing themselves. All of that is behind Mark's observation that we just read a moment ago. I will send my messenger ahead of you, Mark said, quoting Isaiah, who will prepare your way. A voice of one calling in the desert, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. He's coming. I'm preparing you to get prepared for that. God was preparing the first century culture for the coming of Jesus. He was increasing their expectation. He was building their faith and their vision. He was giving them indicators that this activity was his activity and that it was a brand new thing. And God was also calling them to get prepared personally and corporately. Did you hear it? 
John preached specifically about repenting of sin and taking on this new symbol of new birth, that's, that's baptism, to make themselves ready, to prepare themselves. In other words, I'm arranging things externally in the world and in your culture, and you need to arrange things as well internally in your hearts and minds. Get ready for this thing I'm going to show you. And, you know, Jesus would continue this preparation work throughout his ministry. He tried to prepare them to, to take up their own ministries, to do what they had seen him doing. We'll talk about that uh, uh, one of the Sundays in the upcoming week. He tried to prepare them for his death. He warned them. He, he laid the foundation for them to be able to understand it. He tried to prepare them for the difficulty that would follow his death. And then to top it off, in Matthew 20, 25, 1 through 13, he told them this elaborate story about the critical importance of being spiritually prepared at all times. So if you miss everything else, don't miss this. If we are going to achieve the best version of ourselves, we will need to be prepared. This was the first ingredient of Jesus' development recipe. Question number two. Practically speaking, why is preparation important? Now, I'm not going to get anywhere near really answering this question. There's probably some great book or an awesome TED Talk out there that does a super inspiring job at answering this. But plus, for many of you, this is just obvious. You place a high value on being prepared. You, you get the need for it. But, but to those of us who are organizationally challenged or who are adult ADD or to those of us who, who struggle with self-discipline, we need to be reminded. We need a shot in the arm. We need to be reminded of the critical importance of preparation. I'm not going to try to increase our guilt. I'm, I'm just going to try to motivate us. Again, this is the first ingredient in becoming a better us. I, uh, I read an article this week that talked about the advantages of preparation. Interestingly, the author drew a distinction between planning and preparing. Isn't that interesting? I never really thought about that distinction before. She defined planning as you know, outlining the right steps and the preferred path, assuming everything goes right. But of course, everything never goes right. And preparation then, she said, was getting ready for things to go off course, building alternatives and contingencies. Like Jesus, preparing his students for the difficulty that would follow his death. The author listed four specific advantages to being prepared. I want you to hear these. Uh, first advantage she listed was being prepared enhances our self-discipline. Okay, I have to admit, I wanted to object to that one. Unfortunately, for those of us who are, who are on the disorganized end of the spectrum, being prepared also requires self-discipline. But we'll let that slide because preparation does, in fact, enhance our discipline. Secondly, she said being prepared enhances our strategic thinking. This is fascinating. In other words, if we, get, if, we, if we give ourselves time and space to think about things in advance, we will be able to be more strategic. Third, she said being prepared increases our flexibility. To me, this one was counterintuitive. But given her explanation, I'm a convert. In short, she explained that knowing contingencies ahead of time enables us to pivot to them more easily and quickly. And fourth, she said being prepared increases our resilience, our stick to itness. Benjamin Franklin gave us the summary, didn't he? He once said, by failing to prepare, you are preparing to fail. For those of you who are sports fans or fans of entertainment, the thing that separates the good ones from the great ones, you consistently hear this in their personal testimony, is preparation. 
One of the most successful American college football coaches was Alabama's Bear, Bear Bryant. He was famous for saying, it's not the will to win that matters. Everyone has that. It's the will to prepare to win that matters. Now, this kind of effort doesn't come naturally to me. I feel like this is my personal testimony. This is far too often how I enter meetings. I've got it all in my head, I think, except I've forgotten to put my pants on, so clearly I don't have it all. But I can honestly testify, as a professional procrastinator and an expert in disorganization, I can honestly testify that I have never been sorry for the time I've spent in preparation. I want to repeat that for my fellow ADDers and the procrastinators among us. I've never been sorry for the time spent preparing. Honestly, I'll bet you haven't either. And preparation is clearly the first part of Jesus' development model. If we're going to achieve the best version of ourselves, we will need to be prepared. All right, question three then. So what does that look like for us? In particular, what does being prepared look like for us spiritually? Well, first of all, uh, let's look at what it means to prepare ourselves spiritually. Remember that strain, that current of what we talked about. Remember, part of John the Baptist's ministry was calling people to be, to be prepared for Jesus, to be prepared for His coming and, and the changes He would bring. Remember also, we just learned that this was a consistent theme in the Old Testament as well, preparing ourselves. So, to give us some handles on what this looks like for us, I'd like to look quickly at three different sections in the New Testament. This isn't an exhaustive discussion, but I, I want to be very practical. And I, I want to give us some stuff to think about and talk about together later. So first of all, let's look at Matthew chapter 25, verses 1 through 13. I want you to skim that quickly right now on the screen. I referred to this passage earlier. In this passage, Jesus tells the story of ten virgins with lamps who got to meet their bridegroom. Five of them remember to bring oil with them. Five of them do not. And then he gives the consequences. You see, Jesus is hammering the need for us to be prepared. And in this case, preparation seems to mean essentially to be vigilant, to plan ahead. In other words, just think ahead about your spiritual life. Plan ahead and stick with it. Now, Jesus was certainly talking in the larger sense of our need to be ready to meet with Jesus at that point in the future when he comes again or when we die and go to be with him. And it can come at any moment, but he means more than that. In your everyday life, he's saying, be vigilant, be constantly ready to be with him, be on guard, be prepared, plan for it. Listen, it's a new year. I know many of us are exhausted from last year. For some of you, the exhaustion is even deeper because of marital troubles or chronic health issues or the long difficult march of dealing with aging parents or, or a difficult child, but don't give up. Stay vigilant and get the oil you need. In other words, make a plan. How will you stay spiritually healthy this year? If you tell yourself, I need to pray more, but then you do nothing about it, then all you accomplish is adding guilt to your prayerlessness. Make a plan and then stay vigilant. Be prepared. Prepare yourself. Grab the oil for the lamp. Next, look at 2 Timothy 2, 20 through 26. Again, I want you to skim this. 
But pay special attention to verse 21. He's encouraging Timothy and us, isn't he, to actively work on our character so that we can be what? So that we can be prepared to do any good work. Do you see that? Then he gives him and us some practical to-dos. Now, certainly these are addressed specifically to his young disciple, Timothy, but they're also great advice for us. The main point is that we must work on our character as a way of being prepared. This is part of the preparation work. We know for a fact that times of difficulty are coming this year. We also know for a fact that there will be times when, when we have the opportunity to offer some life-giving advice to an employee or to a child or to a friend. Will we be ready for those times? We must be prepared. Our character must be up to par. We know for a fact that there will be temptations this coming year. We'll be will we be ready to face those temptations? In order for us to be ready, our character must be up to par. We must be prepared. Finally, have a look at 1 Peter 1, 13 through 15. Here, the larger context, again, as you can see, is actively working on our character. In this case, specifically, he's talking about battling the desires that will eventually cause damage emotionally and spiritually, what he calls evil desires. And we all know what he means. But notice the big picture, picture marching orders. Prepare your minds for action, he said. Mentally, prepare yourself to allow God to work in you. Mentally, prepare yourself to exhibit God-inspired, God-infused character. Prepare yourself. In summary, to be prepared spiritually means, first of all, to prepare ourselves to do what God has designed us to do, to be the, the parent God designed us to be, to be the husband or wife or, or neighbor or employer or employee that God designed us to be. To, th this means to, to actively work on our character, to, to be vigilant and to plan ahead for it, to, to mentally be ready for action, to prepare ourselves. But it's more than that, isn't it? Remember? We learn from what we saw in the Old Testament, and we learn from the implications of Mark's description of the life of John the Baptist. We learned that God is also doing preparation work in and around us, and that's the other part of what it means for us to be prepared. 1 Corinthians 2.9 talks about this. He says, No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love him. Now, this is a reference both to our future life with God and the promise that holds there for us and the promise of abundant life here with him. God has so much for us. He, he has prepared it. He's waiting for us to live into it. In fact, this is the most important part of the spiritual reality in which we live. This this preparatory work is far more, far, far more important, far larger than the work we do for ourselves. Paul adds to this picture in Ephesians 2.10, where he explains, for we are his workmanship. He's, he's working on us, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. I mean, what he's saying here is mind-blowing. We heard it suggested in the Old Testament, but still, he's saying that God is arranging and preparing circumstances and events into which we will move, armed with the character he's been nurturing in us and the character we've been actively pursuing. And as we ready ourselves, as we prepare ourselves to meet those circumstances that God has arranged, then good works happen, genuinely good works. 
You know the, the theme verse for Murphy's Law, right? Stuff happens. Well, guess what? Good works happen as well. And they happen because of us, because we are prepared to achieve the best version of ourselves. We need to be prepared. This is the first ingredient in Jesus' development recipe. And there's no shortcut and no substitute. And what a great time for us to think about this process. It's, it's a new year, a perfect time to turn over a new leaf, a perfect time to prepare ourselves for what's to come. All right. Let's end by massaging this message into our lives for a minute. Those of you who are employers or, or those of you who manage people at work, think about how important it is for you to prepare the people who work for you. Think about preparing people to manage change this year. Th think about preparing people for the next project. Think about preparing new hires. Let's do it better. You know, I've just discovered that there is a consulting company, maybe more than one, who specializes, specializes in onboarding new staff hires for churches. That's their business model. That's how critical preparation is. There's evidently an industry need for preparing people focused exclusively on churches. I'm sure that's true for other industries as well. Those of you who are parents, think about the importance of preparing your children this coming year. Are they beginning school? Are they moving to middle school or to high school? Think about spiritually preparing them. Think about having honest conversations with them about what they'll face and, and about what you faced when, when you were that age and what you've heard about the culture of their school. Be honest with them about what you don't know, but also think about preparing them for what they, they might face spiritually and for, for some of what, prepare them for some of what they might even feel about spiritual things. Don't just let one day run into another. Prepare them and train them to prepare themselves. And perhaps most importantly, think about your own spiritual life. What will you do this year? And what area do you need growth? What temptation area do you need to press against? Don't just wander around spiritually. Prepare. Give it time. Think about the process. Plan. And then work out some alternatives. Then prepare to execute the plan. And finally, Let's pay attention this year to the other, even larger category. Remember, God is working around us and in us, preparing us for what's to come, preparing us for the good work that we get to do. Let's pay attention to that. Let's pay attention to him. Let's watch. Let's listen. What has he done this past year? What, is, what has he done? Notice I didn't say what happened. It's bigger than that. What has he done? What did he want us to learn? How has he been preparing you? These questions take time to answer. So take the time to answer them. Get prepared. If you fail to prepare spiritually, then you are preparing to spiritually fail. Thank you, Benjamin Franklin. Now look, some of you get this, this preparation business. You, you think about preparation almost naturally. Or maybe you've learned it over the years. You plan, you prepare, you like to be prepared. So do it spiritually. Don't neglect the most important aspect of your life. Your spiritual life literally lays, the found, lays like a foundation under every other aspect of your life. 
Do the right kind of prep work in this area. Make, make 2021 the year you apply your understanding of preparation to your spiritual life. And honestly, some of us struggle with this. For some of us, if we had to rate ourselves on a preparation scale, we might register a three or a two. And our friends might even think that's being generous. So don't think about a dramatic change here. What if God is trying to use this conversation to spur you forward? Don't try to go from a two to an eight. Just take the next step. Decide to grow from a two to a four in this area. And then think about how you'll do that. Ask God to help you. And most importantly, make note of the things He does to help you. Ingredient number one in Jesus' development of His followers was He prepared His followers for a path of development. He prepared them. So, to achieve the best version of ourselves, we need to be prepared. Let's get busy. Let's pray. Father, uh, thank you for um, the dawning of a new year and the excuse to, to recalibrate. God, help us use it well. I pray, Lord, that you would encourage our faith and inspire us to, to think about preparation and then to prepare ourselves for what you have for us this year because you've got some fantastic opportunities for good works for us to do this year, extended towards some people that we love. And it's going to create great stuff in them. And, and we need to be prepared so that we don't miss those opportunities. I pray, Lord, that you would help us to step up the character game. I, I pray, Lord, that, that you, would, you would help us to be mentally prepared. And Lord, I pray that you would deepen our vigilance. And most of all, we give you permission today to work in our lives, to prepare us for what you have for us. Thank you so much. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.